0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Inside
2: Access with Jason Fora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. 105.7 The Fan. I mean, I already, I already, I'm blessed to even be playing with the Ravens. So uh, as I think I start there. It's a blessing to be playing with the Baltimore Ravens and, and everything else is going to take care of itself after that. It's not the time to talk about that stuff.
3: It's game to game, all right? There's no big narratives, okay? So the big narrative question, question, they're, they're irrelevant. Right? What matters is the next game and trying to find a way to win it. Well, we started with uh, Snoop Huntley talking about how much how happy he is to be here and be the quarterback at the moment, and then that was John Harbaugh after the game asked about the running game struggling, and he said now's not the time to talk about that, and it's Inside Access here on a Tuesday. We did find out on Schefter reporting that Lamar Jackson is a sprained PCL. This is usually something that keeps people out one to three weeks, so... We have a little more information on that. As we've been saying, we said yesterday, we do not expect him to play Sunday. He's in not Pittsburgh. playing Sunday. Yeah. So maybe in Cleveland the following week, which is on a Saturday. Maybe. But uh, I
4: think it's Atlanta at home at the yep, earliest. Me too. Um, and that, again, it's dependent on how he feels as well. Um, well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, wh- where, you know, what's his comfort level with the injury? Um Look, (laughs) like the elephant in the room. He doesn't have a contract. It's year five. He doesn't have a contract. The last time he was out there, he was getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. They had a left tackle out there. He's not a left tackle. And what did he get hit? Four times in the little bit that he played? Yeah. He's definitely sacked more than once. I'll say this, though.
3: He doesn't have a contract, but uh, based on the way he's played the last few weeks— yeah, I I, I don't I, I feel more and more, and this is just a gut, I feel more and more that he's getting dealt in the offseason. Like like I, he I, just, may. I I well, I obviously he may, but I think he's going to. Uh I, I just think that they're they are not you've said for a while you don't think they're gonna any up to what he wants. No. And if they can get three first round picks plus for Lamar Jackson, I, I think that's what they're gonna do. I just I just don't think they're
4: ever gonna pay his price. If if it's a fully guaranteed contract, the, the owners made it pretty clear he's not going to do that, and nothing that's happened this season would change that. Um, but yeah, he's got he look. He's been out there playing with a hip right, and then what was the second thing quad, quad. and now this. Uh, the last full game he played, he ran 14 times. He had to run all 14 times for them to have a chance to win that game. They ultimately defense let him down. So, you know, he's got to he's got to protect himself as well. Like, he's got to be sure that when I'm back out there, I feel like I'm helping my team and I'm helping myself. Um, because, like, 65% of Lamar or 70% of Lamar, especially with this crappy cast around yeah. him, it ain't going to look good for him or them. So, bottom line, they don't really have an identity on offense no. right now. He is their offense, and he's not playing for, I'm going to
2: say conservatively, two weeks. I think... He pro- he is a good shot of missing all three in in my opinion, because with the contract looming, the last thing he wants is to suffer a more serious injury, tear some ligaments up. And if he was to come back after the three weeks, you get the two games, Steelers Bengals, and then hopefully the Ravens are in the playoffs and he can knock off some rust there, but you can't take any chances. And with how this offensive line is now, and we're going to get more into it after the break, He's not getting any help from his running backs. That's well-documented. Last four games, one game, running backs have averaged over four yards per carry. We thought they had an identity. After that, that first half in Tampa, that hasn't come to fruition. Nope. He isn't getting any help from his receivers. No one provides yak on this football team since Rashad Bateman's gone down. Other than that, Ken, the offense is doing yeah, great. Yeah, other than that. And the red zone issue.
3: How was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeah, they, they – yeah. Uh the red zone issues are a major problem. They scored one touchdown this past week. It was enough to win a football game against a bad Denver offense. But yeah, I, I think the the question is, what is their identity? Their identity list is is what they are, especially uh, offensively. They, and, and as long as Lamar Jackson is out, one thing we do know about Tyler Huntley, he ain't pushing the football down the field. They're like no. this is this is now an offense that is going to be intermediate routes. It is going to be what do we see: seventeen catches by the wide receivers for ninety four yards. Uh, this past week against Denver, that's – get used to it. Uh, and yeah, you hope that the
4: defense does their job and you can win an ugly football game. Yeah, I think this is going to be an ugly AFC North throwback football game. I think both teams um, have obvious limitations on, on their offensive uh, dynamism. I
2: think, I
4: think it's the
2: a word. Dynamism. Dynamism. Uh, dynamism. How dynamic I, they are. Oh. I, I, Dynanism.
4: Dynanism. Neither team's explosive on offense. Both teams, I think, want to keep it simple, stupid, and protect their inexperienced quarterbacks. And both teams have more uh, more going on defensively than offensively right now. So, yeah, I think the Ravens will scale it back, and Snoop will have to run, and Snoop will have to complete short, quick passes.
2: Looks like dynamism. Dynamism. Dynamism—the quality of being characterized by vigorous activity and progress. Yeah, I was close. Mm. Close to what? (laughs) Well, dynamism. I guess it wasn't manichization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that that was a word. (laughs) That was a word. (laughs) That was a word. (laughs) Maybe not. uh, (laughs) But this
4: definition (laughs) actually speaks to what I was saying. The definition for mannequinization had nothing to do
2: with with Uh the way you were using it. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I got to do with Ronnie Stanley. But no, in. Lamar Jackson's absence. Tyler Huntley can't be having an interception as poor as what he had throwing right to Justin Simmons. This is an offense with Huntley. Don't bleep it up. And this defense has to rise to the occasion. All of your high-pay guys are there. You gave up high draft capital for Roquan Smith. They need to carry this team, much like they have in the Panthers game and, of course, this Broncos game.
3: Huge Tuesday show. We get started guest-wise. Terps coming off a big win against Illinois Friday night or in Wisconsin tonight to take on the Badgers. Chris Naki, part of the call here on 105.7 The Fan with uh, the legend Johnny Holiday. Joins us at 2.30. Rocco goes in San Diego for the MLB Winter Meetings. He'll join us at 3. And Rita Hubbard. She was at the game Sunday, Ravens and Broncos. Boyfriend's a Broncos fan. How'd everything go? What did she think of what she saw Sunday? She'll tell us at
4: 3.30. Yeah, um, O's making some more minor moves, right? And we, we still strongly believe that the the meat and potatoes of their offseason is yet to come, but Nomar Mazzara, that's interesting. Another guy who has some Wild stat cats, stat cast stuff that goes on with him from time to time. Um, Terps face their biggest road test, certainly the first Big Ten road test of the Willard era. And yeah, we we got a lot of Raven stuff to sort out here. Um, just doesn't even the defense, man. I don't know doesn't feel like a team to me that's built to do damage in January but we'll see
3: well one of those things that needs to be figured out is the offensive line and we try to protect the nest next is Ronnie Stanley playing Sunday we will know for sure starting tomorrow but he better be playing we'll explain next here on the fan Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman on the fan Jason is an Odyssey NFL insider.
0: Jason Lock and Four. Jason Lock and Four, one of the best in the business.
3: Ken and Tim prefer Adam Schefter.
4: What are we doing here? Inside access 1057, the fan.
1: Yeah, you know, we'll just see how it goes. I'm uh, very hopeful for that, for sure. Harms, and,
3: oh, excuse me, yesterday about Ronnie Stanley's status. We'll see how it goes. But they're going to need him to protect one Tyler Huntley on Sunday against
4: Pittsburgh, Jason. They are, (laughs) GG, they are going to need Ronnie Stanley to protect that nest. And this is the Protect the Nest segment presented, as always, by our friends at Baltimore Equitable Insurance. Baltimore Equitable Insurance offering perpetual homeowners insurance in Maryland and Pennsylvania. Shouldn't you get all your money back? Of course you should. And, yeah, I don't know whether the Ravens should or shouldn't get Ronnie Stanley back, but they badly need Ronnie Stanley. Um, We've seen the offense uh, stagnate and and suffocate without him. Not that his return's going to fix everything, but, man, um, now with the backup quarterback in, now with even less dynamism in the run game without Lamar, yeah, yeah. And, and look, let's be honest— I don't think this would be the bounce-back week for young Mr. Fa'alele. Against this defense, uh-uh. And, and having to look at that film and and probably getting his own head a little bit, and the rotating thing wasn't working, and I don't know about McCarry, but the bottom line is... Um, I think they need to see if Ronnie Stanley can practice full at least once this week, and I think it's Ronnie Stanley go time is if, if that's within the realm of the medical possibility.
2: There was always going to be a ramp-up for him because there's always been a ramp-up throughout this entire process, and just looking at the injury report at the beginning of the year, he was limited in practice twice a week, weeks one through three, and then practiced in full week four, of course, played against Cincinnati. Tomorrow is going to be telling. If he practices in full, it's go time. For Ronnie Stanley because time is of the essence you don't have much time to ramp him up and it's not just the left tackle position guys I mean Jonas Schaefer covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun joined us yesterday Ben Powers has regressed Kevin Zeitler didn't have a good game against Denver uh, Morgan Moses Bobby D said they all got beat yep. yes it, it's it's been since the bye week and Jonas gave the true media numbers running backs uh uh, yards before first contact, way down since the bye week. They're not getting any push in the run game, and now you just let a Denver team where their pass rush was really struggling the prior three, four weeks without Chubb, they got home often. Well, and who's the arrow
4: pointing up for offensively? Not Gus. No. Not Kenyon Drake, no. you know? Like, no, nope. likely maybe a little bit? Yeah. Like, he- maybe likely a little bit? Like, you could maybe kind of sell me on that, I guess. You know, like Deshaun Jackson, we thought maybe he'd follow up the big game with the big play with another big play. No. Um, well, once and, again, Lamar's and the out. offense is right, and the offense is different at this point. So, yeah, I mean, Ronnie Stanley was – I mean, could you could you argue that after he stopped rotating from the time he played regularly until he got hurt, he was their, like, offensive MVP for that period of time? Playing his ass off.
3: Like literally, we 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 were having discussions of this was one of the biggest surprises of the year. We didn't expect him. A, we didn't <clears throat> we weren't confident he was going to play regularly, and B to be playing at his twenty nineteen form
4: was completely unexpected. But that's what we were seeing until he got rolled on. But not shocking that there's another that there would be another deal with the ankle to come, sure. just because of. No, football. The, the con- Well, just because of how significant of an issue that yeah. has been for him for so long and the position he plays and people roll up on you and people get you from behind. I mean, just the nature of the beast.
2: And part of it's mental. I mean, I'm sure he was scared a, a ton sure. when Lamar Jackson rolled up on him after undergoing three ankle surgeries. But – he is the biggest surprise for me, Ken, uh, on this Ravens team. No one could have envisioned it. He was the highest graded pass blocker uh, at tackle, according to Pro Football Focus. And you're going into a game against the Steelers with T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith. If Daniel Falele has to line up because... Bad he, news. Because, look, hats off to McCarry for trying to tough through it uh, with the foot injury on Sunday. He clearly wasn't 100%. If the rookie has to start against those two studs... Well,
3: let's just look at it this way. They made a bad pass rush in Denver look good. Look yes. look, look, elite. Yeah, the Steelers
4: have a really good pass rush. And ball yeah, comes they, out fast with Snoop. Uh, ball yeah, comes, out, should, ball comes out fast. Sure it does. Comes out quick. It does. Uh, and I'll tell you what else I think, speaking of protect, protect, protecting the nest, I, I bet they get Cam Hayward lined up on the center more
2: than once or twice as well. Mm-hmm. See
4: what that looks like.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen... Tyler Linderbaum's struggle against bigger defensive linemen. I could think of Vita Vea walking him back early in that game for a sack against the Bucks, and that was always going to be the knock on him, considering his small size, rough. Giants game. He's had some rough games and he talked about the snaps uh, a lot this year, Jason, but he's gonna get tested. That's this whole offensive line. This whole offensive line. Trent Green brought it up a few times too. When? During this broadcast no. on uh, Sunday?
3: Oh. Uh, uh. Yeah, I couldn't hear him. Yeah, um, yeah. this line has regressed as a, as a unit. Not just one guy, two guys. The unit has regressed. A month
4: it, ago, we're saying it's the strength of the team.
3: Yes. Saying it's one of the better offensive lines in football. Yeah. As they're road grading people. They're yes. back to doing what they were doing in 2019. They're just bully bully ball. We saw Tyler Linderbaum take Devin White's soul in that game in yes. Tampa. We're like, this is what the, they they found their identity. They're going to go back to winning time of possession, bullying people, and winning football games. And then they come out of the bye. That was not the narrative. We thought that was the narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong narrative. Wrong narrative. And, and remember, <laughs> Ronnie Stanley was in that game against Carolina before he got hurt, and they weren't running the football. No, they were not. That's a concern for me. This was struggling before he got hurt.
2: I mean, it kind of looks like at the beginning of the year, first three weeks, while they were very good pass protectors in that stretch, they weren't getting any production out of the running backs in the first month of the season. And now it's kind of back to that point where the offensive line just isn't getting any push.
4: No, they've, they've got issues. Um, And look, these two defenses they're playing have some flaws, but They obviously have some maulers up front the next two weeks. Um, And again, you're probably looking at Snoop in those two games. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that Gus flicks a switch and is Gus again. And even if Dobbins comes back, I have have no faith that that that's going to be a difference maker or a deal breaker. Ravens
3: take on the Steelers on Sunday. We'll see starting tomorrow what practice looks like, who is who is practicing, who isn't. Terps are back in action tonight at Wisconsin. That's a 9 o'clock tip, so pregame coverage starts at 8 here on the fan. Call Johnny Holiday and our next guest, Chris Knocke. He, of course, calls Maryland basketball games with the legend Johnny Holiday. And he joins us next. We'll get his thoughts on that win against Illinois and what he thinks about tonight in Wisconsin.
1: Inside Access with Jason and Ken.
3: Inside the warehouse and inside the castle. Inside access with Jason Lacanfora and Ken Wyman. 1057, the fan. Young will fire the jumper. Oh, Got it! <laughs> oh my Over seven with Game time. time. That was from Friday night. Amir Young with the dagger against Illinois. Maryland defeats Illinois 71-66. They're 8-0, and they've got Wisconsin tonight at 9 o'clock. You can hear that game on five seven. The fan, Johnny Holiday, and as we head out to the Ashley Furniture guest hotline, he'll, Johnny will be on the call with our next guest. That's Chris Knocke. And, and Chris, good afternoon. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I want to start with the atmosphere Friday night in that arena, and and I, I was there Friday and I haven't felt that in a minute in, in, in Xfinity Center. You were there as well, obviously. What did you think about the atmosphere?
1: Well, I mean, it was a great home crowd. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks excited about the start. And quite honestly, Ken, there were a lot of people that were MIA the first three games yeah. at home. But, you know, you're playing a, a ranked team. And, uh, and they certainly showed out. And uh, it was loud as hell in there. It was a great atmosphere. I have to i'll suggest to you guys that friday night 9 p.m start had a hand in that as well mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. i thought that there were some uh, in fact we had one of our uh advertisers on the pregame show we made, made the mistake of doing that live and it became pretty apparent that uh he probably visited bentley's uh, <laughs> prior to the game so <laughs> things happen on live radio and live tv right yes sir um i'm and it,
4: it wasn't just the environment and the win, but like there's there's now a signature moment, right? I mean, Jameer Young hitting that shot and the way he hit it at the time he hit it, like that's something that I think you know it becomes it resonates, right? And it it's like okay, well, wow, they've already had this signature sort of dagger moment, and the the Big Ten's campaign is barely underway.
1: You know, it's it's fun. It's a good question because. Uh, you know, even with the early success, you, you think, "All right, seven and zero is good." You know, pr- prior to getting that eighth one, seven and zero is good. You know, you had two good wins in Connecticut. You beat the Louisville team on the road. That's not exactly your father's Louisville. Yeah. But but when when you're getting when you're down or you're listing and you're, you're struggling a little bit, who's going to hit that directional shot? Who's going to hit the big shot for you? And the fact of the matter is, the games had not been close, so we had no idea how they would respond in a close game and in a close situation. Um, and so, you know, you got a taste of that. That's not to say it's going to be Jameer Young every right. single close game, but um, what he does is a is a confidence booster, not just for J.Y., not just for him. It's for the whole team. I mean, I think they all felt like uh, everybody had a hand in, in that win. Everybody at some point in time made a play. And, uh the the fact that you're able to win a close game like that against a ranked team feels sometimes like it's two wins. Uh, mm-hmm. You know when you get out of it.
2: Chris Jameer Young was awesome, but I want to get to the holdovers. Uh, Keem Hart was really good. Dante Dante Scott was great. Ian Martinez off the bench. Julian Reese didn't have his best game for sure, but all of those guys and Kevin Willard had to re-recruit them. And Dante Scott completely transformed his body. I mean, how much credit? should Kevin Willer get for all of their uh success this year.
1: Well, I mean he certainly deserves a line share for sure, but you know, I I'll take Dante for instance. It's Dante that busted his ass and lost the 28 pounds. I mean, that that requires enormous for a for a kid for a male 21 22 years old who's always been big. You know, that requires an unbelievable commitment. And uh um, you know, obviously part of that is the buy-in of of Willard, uh, but part of it I think is Dante looking at his future and, you know, what the future holds for him. And and he would always be limited by his body type or the body type that he had previous to this year. And he looks like a completely different kid, playing like a different guy. And all these guys are playing like they're a year older, which in fact they are and you're supposed to mature and get better and take that next step. Um, you mentioned Hakeem Hart. I, I honestly believe he's probably one of the more underrated players, not just in the Big Ten, but in college basketball. He does, he does everything. You know, he defends really well. He, he, he rebounds. Uh, he makes shots. Uh, I mean, I, I, they, they look a little ungainly yes. a little bit. The release is a little bit in front of his face. But damn if those things aren't going in. And, um, you know, he's a huge part of the equation.
3: Talking to Chris Nagy's inside access here on the fan. It does feel like a Keymark gains three inches every year, too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, like he's yeah, right? he seems bigger every single year. Uh, uh, the other thing is he could come out with like a Spider Man jersey on you know, because his arms are so long, yeah. you know. Uh it's it's crazy the the number of loose balls he gets to.
3: So let, let's talk about what did you think about this team coming in? Where they are now, but what they are is probably somewhere in the middle, but like, how good did you think this team could be when the year started?
1: Well, I, I you know, I, I had access to them, so I saw some of the practices mm-hmm. early on, and I could tell how hard they were working defensively. The thing that I wondered about, and I wasn't alone, uh, but the thing you wondered about was where are they going to get the points? Where, where are all the points coming from? Where are they going to count them? you know when it's crunch time you know those types of things because offensively they shoot a lot of threes uh, and it's interesting too Kevin Willard never once says a word to these guys about shot selection he lets them play lets them play very freely offensively where he's a madman is talking to them about defense and what's going on, on the defensive side of things but uh, they've, they've come a, a long long way uh, offensively just in the last three weeks or so and they really turned the corner up at Mohegan Sun when they blasted Miami and St. Louis and scored 90 points in both those games, 90-plus in one of those, and did it really easily. And I think that, for the most part, that's been the biggest surprise to me in terms of their progression over the first month or so of the season. As to where they go, the ceiling, you're always a little limited by the development or the lack thereof of your bench. I think you can get away with playing eight guys for sure. Nine early on would be really sort of an optimal situation. But, you know, um, right now, uh, as they say, early returns, very favorable. Uh, No question about it. And they're doing a lot of things well.
4: I'll be Debbie Downer for a second, right? Because everything's not perfect, even though the record is. And and watching them... The other night, um, the you mentioned Chris the lack of depth, right? They're not as deep as they mm-hmm. want to be, and there's a lack of size as well. And I felt mm-hmm. like at times fundamentally, like if you are giving up that much length, then like we've got to box out, right? Like we've got to we've got to be smart about how we defend around our own goal, and we can't be giving the ball away in our own backcourt. Like I, I felt like that really allowed uh, Illinois to get back in the game and and really kind of change the the tempo and nature of that game.
1: Well, Illinois is a good team, you know. And you know they're not going to run away. They're not going to go away. Uh, They're really well coached. They've got a bunch of big-time players. Um, And and I agree. You know, so so here, the Terps have gotten off to an 8-0 start. That's the reality. Um, Further, the, the further reality is that college basketball, there's no real dominant club out there right now. Everybody's got a, you know, small margin for error. And what that means is in a game like this tonight, and as we segue into this Wisconsin, you know, kind of a preview, uh, you know, the, the, again, anything, there's nothing that would surprise me. And Wisconsin has had some tremendous performances this year. They did everything but beat Kansas uh, down in Atlantis. Um, yet they came back home and lost to a Lake Forest team that you would have thought they would have hammered in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So um, I think Wisconsin probably a lot, like, a lot like the Terps, mm-hmm. you know, eager to get better um I would guess that the that the point spread is reflective of the fact that these teams are fairly comparable mm-hmm. um, but right now in terms of that a lot of things go well and go their way um I'd love to see you take one more step here tonight in this building but it's a tough place to play
2: sticking with Wisconsin Chris uh, ball goes through Tyler wall for them how can Maryland slow him down
1: well it wasn't a good matchup for us last year and but that wasn't a good matchup for dante scott 30 pounds ago i think he's more capable of of matching up with tyler wall who's kind of a small ball four uh much like dante is so a lot of it's going to fall to him you do it you got to do the team thing it's interesting tyler wall is now giving up the ball more than he early on in the season he was acting like a guy who was a preseason pick for all big 10 and he took a lot of shots now He's a much more willing passer, and they're all eating right now. The whole team is. They, he shares it. Um, they've got a lot of guys who can score from a number of different positions. So it all starts with Wall and the point guard Chucky Hepburn. But they got some good players on this team.
3: Hey, Chris, real quick, uh, there ain't no, but they haven't gotten Don Carey going yet. What what you think it's going to take to get him going?
1: You know what? He's played really well on the road. I, I can't even can I can't even tell you. Makes no sense to me. He's not shooting the ball well at home at all, uh, but on the road, he seems like a different guy. Huh. He's great up in up in Connecticut. Uh, made some shots down at Louisville. I was watching him shoot today in the shootaround, and he was lights out. So hopefully, you get that Don Carey, and uh, and these guys will thrive if that's the case.
2: And, and Chris, to your point, I saw that stat this morning. He's shooting under three percent from three at the Xfinity Center. <laughs> He's shooting 40% away from the Xfinity Center, from beyond I mean, the arc. It could, doesn't make any sense.
1: You could drop kick uh, and, and make 3%, right? I mean, if, and this guy's a professional. I mean, not professional, but he's a known <laughs> shot maker and, and – and, uh, jump shooter and and that's what he's done his whole career it makes no sense but ultimately yeah uh, generally you achieve the the numbers on the back of that baseball card by the end of the season i, I expect they'll come back
3: chris nockey will be on the call with johnny holiday nine o'clock you're hearing the game right here on 1057 the fan chris thanks as always for your time we appreciate it. All right, folks. Thank you. It's Inside Access. The winter meetings are going on. Major League Baseball winter meetings going on in San Diego right now. I think Scott Burroughs is meeting with the media and throwing out a bunch of catchphrases. Rob but, Manfred uh, was – Yeah. W- Interesting quote from yeah. Rob Manfred about the talking. Orioles' future. We'll get you that. And the Orioles have been busy with some moves. We'll give you those next here on The Fan.
1: Inside Access with Jason
3: Ken. Inside Access to the Orioles. Brooks
4: Cal with Jason Ken fan. sponsored by home life roofing and remodeling
3: call home life roofing and remodeling today for your free estimate and to learn more about their 47.99 roof and gutters offer visit homeliferoofing.com or call 410-864-0178.
1: look uh, I, I rattled that word off in in Texas um, you know I feel Very organically, that is what I meant, Um, and I mean that. I think that this team is going to continue to get better from this point forward. We're sitting here with this young nucleus that's extremely talented that's going to be here for a long while. We're sitting on the number one farm system. We've got a um, roster and a uh, payroll that we can custom build over the next few years because right now we don't have any long-term contracts to build around, and this you know, not a specific proclamation for we're going to do it all at once in the 2023 winter meetings, um, but that the next several years of baseball in Baltimore is going to be excellent.
3: That's Mike Elias speaking at the winter meetings yesterday, and he was clarifying his liftoff comment from late in the season when he was down in Texas saying it's liftoff time. And to me, he's just saying, look, don't expect them to spend $600 million this offseason, but... They are looking into anything and everything they can to make this team better.
4: Obviously, with the Orioles not doing anything significant yet, right? They're working the margins of the roster. They're they're looking at their depth. They're looking at um, down rotation pitching rather than top of the rotation pitching at this point. Not that they're not negotiating for that. Um, through trade or free agency, but there's not a whole lot of there there, right? So everybody now is freaking out. I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people freaking out like, oh, Michael Elias is walking it back. This isn't going to be what I we thought it was going to be. There's a lot of that going around out there. Um, being written on blogs, being written on websites sure. and throughout social media. So I'm going to define what liftoff means to me. And it hasn't changed a bit from when I first heard it. Liftoff to me means two to three significant acquisitions – or transactions this offseason that greatly bolster the high-end margins of this roster, not the low-end margins. That could mean extending Adley Rutschman, trading for Pablo Lopez, and adding a legitimate free agent bat, right? It could mean signing Rodone, trading for an everyday bat, and extending Gunner. You know what I mean? There's different buckets yeah. it could come from, but like two to three significant things that happen. Now, that never meant Verlander for me. That never meant Trey Turner for me. No. That never meant Carlos Correa for me. So I'm looking at it with my blinders on. Nothing has changed. He's out there trying to lay the groundwork for major moves. And when someone like Scott Boras, who's who loves to poke and prod teams that he don't that he doesn't think spend enough or won't spend enough, when he's throwing you verbal bouquets. That means he's doing that because you're you're actually in his waters. like You're actually presenting things to him that he thinks are legitimate for him to look at you as a real suitor and not a team that's just trying to be able to say, oh, we tried, we came in third.
3: Well, according to Rich Dubrov covers the Orioles of Baltimore baseball, he says that a lot, Burroughs said just now, they've been very aggressive. Michael Elias has been in constant contact. The Orioles are in a different place.
4: And Mike's made us all very aware of that. And I don't think he suffers fools. No. He, like, if you're if he's not really going to make money off of you, then he's going to say, well, they're a second or third market team. They haven't made a significant signing since Chris Davis. I'll believe it when I say it. Sure. Like, he,
2: he would have no problem saying that if that's what he thought. Liftoff, to me, is basically another giant step from what he said prior to the season where we're close to getting back in the fight. They're in the fight now. Yeah. They're ready to be competitive. They're ready to spend money. And while they haven't had a significant signing yet, they gave Kyle Gibson $10 million, which Elias confirmed, Everything that Elias is saying, you have to get fired up about. They're going to sign another starting pitcher. He said as much. They or had, trade for one. Yeah, or trade for one. They've had eight different uh, Zoom conversations with starting pitchers. They're going to bring in a bat. Uh, it, it is bizarre. I've seen the same blogs that you were talking about, Jason, of people... People are freaking out about Kyle Gibson. Well, no, no, not like, Kyle Gibson. I'm, I'm but, saying but like that Elias. Saying,
3: yeah, but they're like, liftoff, to me, people like, well, he said liftoff, and then they go and sign Kyle Gibson, and like people seem to be losing well, no, they're, their minds.
4: They're, they're implying that he's now walking it back and distancing himself no, sure. from his original definition of liftoff or how a lot of people uh, interpreted
2: it. I don't see that at all, and he said basically what I thought. Yeah, they aren't going to get it all done this offseason. They're not going to get their payroll uh Over $100 million, $150 million in one offseason. But they're back in the fight. They're going to make some serious acquisitions. And they're going to be really competitive this year. And he said, to finish the quote, this is their window. They're going to have some great teams for the next decade to come.
3: By the way, they give Kyle Gibson $10 million. It signals to me, and it should signal to everyone else, they think Kyle Gibson's better than Jordan Lyles. Exactly. that that money could have gone to Jordan Lyles. They think Kyle Gibson's better. Yeah.
4: And I'll trust their, their determinations because yes. they're on like an 18-month heater.
3: Yes.
2: And something that gets me very excited about Gibson, and this is what we thought, the wall is playing a factor. It's yes. already done. Michael I said it. Gibson had the same offer for the Blue Jays. He came here because of the wall. Starting pitchers Look, are going. Uh, you aren't shying away from coming to play in Camden Yards anymore. And especially a guy like Kyle Gibson who doesn't have elite-elite
4: stuff and the ball's going to be put in play. For those who want to run Jorge Mateo out of here, when pitchers talk about infield defense, they're talking about the shortstop. Especially defense as it existed previously with the shift where you've got rovers and guys being asked to cover all kinds of ground on one side of the field or the other. Like, that's a factor. The wall's a factor. Adley Rutschman's a factor. Like, they are building an incubator that people want to be a part of. Now, like they got to get someone at the deeper end of the pool to take their money. I think they will.
3: They made a couple of minor moves, one of which being Nomar Mazzaro, who was interesting to me because that guy was actually really good like four years ago, three years ago. I think he left-handed 20 bed.
4: home runs or more like yeah. between all oh, three years in a row, like between his age 20 and 23 seasons. And he was hitting like
3: 500-foot home runs, uh, left-handed hitter. They're they're adding some depth to that pool of left-handed hitters in their minor leagues and if he makes the if he stays in the majors he makes a million and a half dollars.
4: Look, they're they're improving the margins of their depth, right? And you're looking at you know, well who would have been that guy to get called up a year ago assuming he stays in the minors, right? That would have been a Ryland Bannon type, uh-huh. right? Or a Richie Martin type. Now, this is a this is a different caliber of hitter. One more note, as is Frenchie Cordero. Yes, Frenchie Cordero, who's another guy. Versus, he, he, I don't even know who that guy would have been last year in Norfolk. DJ Stewart.
3: Frenchie Cordero had a pinch at home run against the Worlds at the Little League yes, Classic. Yes, he did. Uh, Rob Manfred, speaking to the media earlier today about the Orioles, said as long as he has this job, the Orioles will be in Baltimore, likes how the club is being run, etc., which sort of is on the same page what John Angelos told us when he met us at Cross Street Market. Yeah, I'd say it's exactly on the same page. Yeah. Inside access. And we're here. going
2: to get an all star game. Yeah, but well, I hope so. I could have a necessary reference. We're getting on one. that. They haven't an all star. I wasn't born in 1993. I, I would bet love by to this. See an don't they game. usually
4: start announcing future ones <laughs> around have. this year's all star game? But I mean, yeah. then they start yeah. that up again.
2: Yeah. I think we'll be in the next I was at that group of announcements. I'd love to go to the next.
3: One. Hey, coming up next, we'll continue talking Orioles baseball. Rockabatco in San Diego, covering the winter meetings for Massinsports.com. We'll get his thoughts on what they've done so far and what he expects them to do next here on The Fan.